Mother's Day is around the corner and I have the best gift idea for you. Hold on to your hats. It's mylifeinabook.com. Every week, My Life in a Book will send your mom a question via email. They will compile all of your mom or the mom in your life's answers and create a legacy keepsake book. The book becomes something you and future generations can treasure forever. I gave both my mother and my mother-in-law my life in a book, and they've already started responding to the prompts. When my mother-in-law received her first prompt, she said, oh my goodness, what a thoughtful gift. And that's what we all want, right? We all want to give thoughtful gifts. So check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day, mylifeinabook.com, and use code SUSTAINABLE for 10% off today. If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. You need EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. It's a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense because I have a bloating problem, friends. Yes, I do. Inflammation is not my friend. Since taking one capsule a day on an empty stomach with water, I have noticed more energy, improved skin, and here's the big one, reduced bloating. Head to myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and so much more. That's myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Hello there, friends, and welcome back. I am Stephanie Safarian, and this is episode number 128. On today's show, we are discussing how to apply the tenets of minimalism to your money. We are outlining why simplifying your finances is essential to simplifying your life. And we get into the how, too, so that you and I can get to work without that financial headache. Now, if you are like me, perhaps you cringe at the thought of talking about, or worse, managing money. Money issues are just not a part of my skill set, even though they should be. Or maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you love saving and budgeting and planning for the future. Either way, my guest today has some tips for you. Today, I am speaking with Don Starks. Don is a certified financial planner, a self-described minimalist, and the author of the new book, Simplify Your Financial Life. My absolute favorite part of my chat with Dawn today is that she outlines the concept of life energy. What is your life energy and what do you want to spend it on? So be on the lookout for that. Now, before we jump right into today's interview, a quick note that this week's episode is sponsored by Dalhay Jewelry. If you're like most women, you probably have plenty of jewelry, but how many pieces do you actually wear? Dalhay believes that simplified wardrobes also mean simplified jewelry boxes. That's why they curate pieces that are timeless, modern, and built with quality materials made to last. Learn more at dalhayjewelry.com. That's D-A-L-H-A-E jewelry.com. 
Enjoy the interview. Don, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk to us all about how minimalism and finances can collide. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. I'm so happy to have you on the show and so happy to read your new book, Simplify Your Financial Life. I must say, I learned an awful lot and I was really drawn to your message of how you have been on a mission in your own life to simplify, simplify everything, including your finances. So I was hoping we could start today by you telling us about that simplification journey. Sure. Um, Back in the middle 90s, I had two interesting things that happened in my life. One was that I decided to pursue a career as a financial planner. And the second thing was that I read the book by Elaine St. James called Simplify Your Life. And so I was a single person then and didn't have a lot of belongings. I was a poor graduate school student. And so it was very easy at that time to apply what I was learning from Elaine St. James's book. And I just really got interested in this idea of keeping things minimal and keeping things very simple in your life. And so when I started on my journey of running my financial planning practice, I really thought that my mission was to help people simplify their financial life. Because I think so often people think that money is complicated. They think that having a financial life is complicated. And they oftentimes will just shut down and they won't think through how they could actually learn about money and make things be easier. They just assume that it's complicated and therefore they they kind of give up. So that was really my mission early on was this idea of kind of marrying those two things, saying that, listen, financial planning, dealing with your money, it's not rocket science. It's something that you can handle and it's something you can do. It can be very simple, but it just takes some some progress. It just takes a little bit of doing. It takes some learning and it takes recognizing that you are capable of, of learning about your money. What I loved about your book was that it gave some real tangible and concrete action steps for people to take right now to simplify their financial lives. And we're definitely going to get there for listeners listening who want those action steps. But before we do that, I would just say that I feel like many of my listeners are interested in pursuing a simpler existence in general. And you really make an interesting point in the book that stayed with me long after I put it down, which was essentially, it was something I never thought about before, but it was that a simplified life really requires that we're always balancing our time and our money. Can you explain this? Sure. Um, This was one of those things where I think I kind of always knew it. And then one day it just sort of came to me as a, as an idea that, wow, you know, what this really all boils down to is time and money. And of course we think of money as being something that's finite. So you don't always have all the money in the world that you want to do things. And time is very finite. Money doesn't have to be finite. We think it is, but it really isn't because you can go out and you can earn more money. If you spend all your money, you can go earn more money. You can't earn more time. And so when we think about how we spend our money and how we spend our time, I think that they're very intertwined. And so we can think about, we can spend our money now on something that would give us maybe a fleeting amount of pleasure or uh, just you know satisfy a need now. 
but then we don't have that money later. And so that means we end up having to work longer in order to do things like retire or um, have nice vacations or do things that we might want to do in our life later. So when we think about money and time being very linked, we think about the idea that we can buy more time with our money or we can buy more money with our time. So you can work really hard and spend a lot of time in order to make more money, or you could spend some money in order to save yourself some time and buy yourself some time so that you have more time to do the things you want to do. So if we think about those two things um, being connected and, um, and in relationship with each other, that can help us make decisions about how we want to spend our lives because how, how we spend our time is going to be directly related to the quality of our lives. Yeah. Time is money, right? <laughs> exactly. Your answer makes me think about the hidden cost of purchases. Usually we think that the cost of an item is just its sticker price. That shirt or that sweater, let's say, is $200. Well, the price many of us assume is $200. But there's a lot of hidden costs associated with everything we buy. And the biggest one of all, I would argue, aside from environmental impact, would be the time that we have to swap working to pay for the sweater. Did I get that right? You did. And actually, you're speaking to the notion that was presented in another book that I'm extremely fond of, and I recommend to everybody. And it's called Your Money or Your Life by Vicki Robin. And in that, she talks about that relationship between time and money, and that when you're working and earning money, you're spending your life energy in order to earn money. And that money that you earn is what you then turn around and spend on things that you need for your life, whether it's just a shirt or if it's a meal, whatever it is, you're spending your money that you earned with your life energy. So in essence, you're spending your life energy. And when you can change your mindset and think about all of your purchases and the way you spend your money through that lens and think about it from the standpoint of, wow, this is going to cost me two hours of my work, of my life energy in order to buy this thing that I want to buy. You really do take a step back and start thinking more carefully about how you're going to spend your money because you don't want to waste your money. And to your point about the hidden cost, the, the cost is involved in the time that you spend, but also it's involved in the um, additional time that you spend. So for example, when you buy um, a nice vehicle, you're going to spend extra time and money keeping it up. You're gonna, it, it might require more maintenance. It might require more cleaning. And so you have to think about how you're going to buy things based on the, the, the whole or complete cost of that item, not just the, the original cost. Hmm. I have felt that so many times in my own life as a mother. I've learned my lesson, but with the first child, we bought the nice clothes. <laughs> and how much extra time did I have to spend keeping those nice baby clothes or trying to keep those nice baby clothes clean? Uh, that, was, that was an additional cost in and of itself. In your book, you talk a lot about decluttering. And as someone who talks about decluttering an awful lot herself, I was really excited to see this because I think that even though many of us understand that there must be some connection between decluttering and minimalism with financial security, I would argue that the connection 
is is weak, right? We we know they're connected, but we don't know exactly how. So for those listening who know they need to clean up their finances and their financial life, why, in your opinion, should they also clean up their homes by decluttering? That's a great question. And I think, and I've always thought that uh, decluttering is really connected to all areas of your life. So we think about decluttering our stuff. That's pretty obvious. When people talk about decluttering, they're usually talking about cleaning out the closets, getting rid of your unneeded items. But we can also think about decluttering our um, our mental space. So if you have too many things going on, too many projects, too many obligations, it really clutters up your mind and it causes you to, to not work at your best efficiency and, and to get the best um, experience out of life because you're sort of overwhelmed by all that's in, in your brain. And we can also think about it with your with your finances because oftentimes people will undertake something with their financial life. So for example, they may take on a car loan by buying a car and then they have credit cards that they use and they might have multiple credit cards. They might have a bank account and then they might have a retirement plan um, from a company that they worked for and then they switch companies and now they have a new retirement plan. And what happens over time is that the financial clutter starts to accumulate. You have accounts scattered all over the place. You might have um, paperwork for all those things scattered all over the place and things start to get fragmented. And so just like in your, in your space, when you declutter your items, your, your, your belongings, and you pare down what you have in your home, it gives you breathing space. It gives you kind of that, I, I like to talk about the concept of white space. It kind of gives you that white space that you can actually function and be creative and not feel like every time you walk around your house, you're, you're, um, faced with all this clutter and and feeling overwhelmed by that, by all these projects you're not finishing or all this stuff that's not clean. Um, and so it kind of gets overwhelming. So the same thing happens, I think, in your financial life. You have all this stuff around. You can't really focus on it. You don't really have a grasp of where you are with your financial life. You know, how are we doing financially? Well, I have no idea because I've got debts all over the place and I've got accounts all over the place and I don't have it all together and organized. Mm-hmm. Would you argue too, though, that the process of decluttering can serve as a way of informing future purchasing decisions? Oh, gosh, yes. I think that's um, one of the best values that you get out of decluttering your stuff is that as you're picking those things up and recognizing that it no longer serves you, or if you're a Marie Kondo fan, it no longer brings you joy, um, whatever you know, whatever uh, lens you're, you're using for that. When you take these items and you get them out of your house, hopefully you'll spend some time thinking about why that item uh, came to be in your house in the first place. So I encourage people to think about that because what you can do is recognize that what you spent to get that item is a sunk cost. So you have already spent that money. There's nothing you can really do to get that money back. I mean, theoretically, you could sell the item, but you're not going to get your original investment back. You're not going to get back all the money that you spent. So by by analyzing the things that you're decluttering from your life, you can also give yourself a little bit of education about, wow, how did I make some mistakes on these things? How did I uh, choose poorly maybe um, to, to buy these things? Why did I really buy these things in the first place? So I think if you could add a little bit of um, mindfulness to your decluttering, as opposed to just shoving stuff in a bag and getting it out of the house as quickly as possible, then you can 
help you help yourself learn a little better to, to make better decisions in the future. I encourage people to think through why did you have these items? Because then that will help you not bring those kinds of items back in your house in the future. Mm. I appreciate that you brought up the concept of sunk cost because many aspirational declutterers struggle with the concept of sunk cost as they are trying to determine what to keep, what to donate. They often keep things because they feel guilty that they spent money, sometimes spent a lot of money on an item that they shouldn't have. (laughs) They shouldn't have spent the money. But sunk cost means that holding on to that item out of guilt is not going to give you that money back, right? It's not going to somehow restore some of the cost that you originally paid. So thank you for bringing that up. Now, related to decluttering the home is decluttering the budget. And I am definitely going to ask you how on earth we should do that. But first, a quick word from this week's sponsor, Dalhay Jewelry. Dalhay helps women create jewelry capsule wardrobes by creating timeless, not trendy designs that stretch conventional creative limits. I love the teardrop studs because they are practical for my daily life as a mom, yet they also elevate my style. I'm also drawn to the everyday bold link hoop earrings because I can easily dress them up or down depending on the occasion. And because every piece of Dalhay jewelry is sterling silver-based and not mixed with another alloy, I'm confident these pieces will be part of my jewelry capsule for decades. Simplify your wardrobe, simplify your life, Get 20% off and free shipping with code MAMAMINIMALIST at dalhayjewelry.com. That's D-A-L-H-A-E jewelry.com. Thank you so much, Dalhay, for sponsoring this week's show. Now back to decluttering the budget. How do you recommend listeners approach spending cuts? And what I'm asking with this question is, (laughs) like, nobody wants to trim their budget, right? Having a budget in and of itself isn't also glamorous. Trimming the budget is even harder for a lot of us. So how do we approach spending cuts in a way that doesn't feel as though we're sacrificing an awful lot? Another great question. So I I like to think about decluttering your budget from two two frames of reference, and they both come from other books. Um, One is the Vicki Robin book that I mentioned before, uh, Your Money or Your Life. And the other one is the Marie Kondo book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. So in Vicki Robbins' book, she talks about when you're thinking about um, spending your money, you, and as I mentioned before, you're, you're actually spending your life energy the, you know, that you put into the work that you did in order to earn the money that now you're spending on the item. And so when you go through your budget using that frame of reference, you can think through how you're spending your money. You can look at the different line items of things you're spending your money on and ask yourself, is this in alignment with my values? Is this supporting the life that I want to have or that our family wants to have? And so it takes the pain out of, instead of just saying, wow, we have to cut 20% out of this budget. Instead, you're taking the approach of, hey, let's cut spending where we're, we're mindlessly spending on things that don't really fit in the um, framework of our values of what we want as a family or or you as a person, um, instead of just thinking, you know, where can where can I slash expenses? And the Marie Kondo um, 
example would be using her frame of reference of does it bring you joy? So if you're spending money on something like car maintenance, you know, surely that's not something you're going to think of, well, that brings me joy, but maybe having a car that runs brings you joy. And so making, making sure you have the funds to spend on the things that bring you joy is, is kind of the angle there. And you get rid of the things that, you know, it doesn't bring me any joy to spend my money on this subscription that is something that I think I should do, or I think I should read, but I don't really like it. Um, and I'm just doing it because I want to maybe impress other people, um, things of that nature. You can can kind of think through your different expenses and why are you actually spending the money that you're spending on those things and try to get to the root of it. Um, so it's just taking a little bit of a deeper dive into your budget. And so instead of just saying, hey, we need to slash and we're just going to slash where we can, you're thinking through based on a values assessment or a joy assessment, or just, is this serving me? Is this expense and how we're spending our money? Is it serving me or is it serving us as a family? I would love to pivot and go towards the concrete action steps that we can all take. And I'm really thrilled to talk about action steps because I operate under the assumption that nobody likes to talk about money. I avoid at all costs In a perfect world, that money comes in and I don't have to talk about it or budget it or pay the bills or file it or anything (laughs) or save for the future. For listeners like me, what action steps can they take right now that will simplify their finances? So I think that if you're interested in simplifying your financial life, but it's not something that you take joy in, you just don't enjoy working with your money. The first thing I would encourage you to do before I get into a concrete solution is to try to change your mindset around money. Because if you can even make some positive steps towards feeling in a more positive way towards your money so that you're not feeling like you have to dread this task. So trying to change that mindset is, I think, really kind of an early thing that you should should work on. But as you're doing that, you don't have to just spend weeks trying to readjust how you think about money. You can also take some concrete steps to start simplifying things. So for example, um, one easy thing you can do is just to create checklists. So if you have various bills that you have to pay, if you still are um, doing it yourself manually as opposed to having it automated, you can create a checklist so that you make sure that all the bills that, that you need to pay each month are getting paid. And there's some satisfaction. If you're a checklist person, you get some satisfaction in just checking them off as you as you are paying your bills. But what you're also doing is avoiding things slipping through the cracks. Because we've probably all had the experience, if you're still getting paper bills, or even if you're getting your bills via email now, that what if one doesn't come or it got stuck in your junk folder or or, or what have you, and then you just inadvertently don't pay it because you didn't get it and or didn't see it, didn't notice it. And so this way, if you have a checklist every month and you're going through and you're keeping yourself on track so that you pay the things that need to be paid on time without letting them fall through the cracks. So that's a really simple thing. And another thing that you can do is to work on starting to consolidate things. So earlier I made the comment that oftentimes people's financial life becomes very complicated because it gets very spread out or sprawled. They have lots of old jobs that they had with retirement plans associated with those jobs. So they might have a pension plan over here, a 401k plan over there, or whatever other um, retirement plans they might have. So you have these little accounts everywhere. And so starting to 
take on the project of consolidating those things can make a huge difference in your life because it will cut down on an enormous amount of paper or emails if you're getting your, your statements electronically. So it can cut down on that, but it also really streamlines uh, your affairs so that you can see where you are. If you have five or six different retirement accounts and you can get those narrowed down to one or two, you'll have a better idea of what you actually have saved towards your retirement. Likewise, bank accounts. Sometimes people leave old bank accounts open when they move, um, or maybe they just changed banks because there was a special deal or something like that. And they have these little accounts that start to accumulate all over the place. So working on consolidation is another really easy, uh, it, I mean, it will take a little bit of time, but it's, it's easy to do and it's very satisfying. And so I think getting some of these early wins helps you to build some momentum towards saying, hey, this isn't so bad. I can take steps and I can do some of these projects to make an improvement in my financial life without it really costing a lot in, in the way of your time or just the agony of dealing with your money. My last question for you has to do with the people who are in the middle, let's say. They have done all those beginner steps. They've consolidated their credit cards. They have signed up for bill pay. They have stopped receiving paper bills. They have stopped the incoming divulge of pre-screened credit card offers. Yet they're not ready to hire a financial planner. What are the next steps that these people can do to really rein in their finances without the help of a professional? Well, after the basics are done, after you've got your organizational systems in place and you feel like you have um, your affairs kind of in basic order, what I would suggest is moving on in your knowledge a little bit and learning a little bit more about investing and about insurance and about um, estate planning. Um, those that's you know planning for the what ifs. What if what if I die? What if I become disabled? That sort of thing. So so those are kind of higher level topics that are beyond basic budgeting and debt management and whatnot. But those are the things that you can start to poke into once you feel like you have the basics handled. You've got an emergency fund. You've got your debt ma- managed. It doesn't have to be all paid off, but you you've got it managed. Then you can move on and start to learn a little bit more about how to invest your money and how to manage your risks, which is what insurance is all about. And then you're making sure that you've got your bases covered, that your family's protected in case something happens to you. I feel like we have only just touched on the tip of the iceberg today. So for listeners who want to learn more about you, Don, where can your book be found online? Thanks. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here. Um, my website is simplemoneypro.com, and there's where my blog and podcast, uh, that, that's where that lives. And I do courses online, which is another way people can learn about, um, about finances. And then my book is available at simplifyyourfinanciallife.com. So you can also go to online booksellers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and so on. Um, you can also uh, query your local bookstores. They can order it for you, but you can find out information about it at simplifyyourfinancialife.com. Thank you again so much for coming on the show, Don. I wish you much success. Well, thank you, Stephanie. It was such a pleasure to be here. I so hope you enjoyed my chat today with Don Starks. I have linked to her website as well as her book in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 128. 
Now, this week we have an eco tip, and it comes from Cindy. Cindy listened to episode 120 of this podcast, which was all about your questions that you wrote to me and I answered them. And if you listened to episode 120, you heard me talk an awful lot about toilet paper. <laughs> Cindy's ears perked up because she she has a toilet paper solution and she wrote to me about it. Cindy said that she uses Bippy toilet paper. Now, Bippy makes bamboo toilet paper that's wrapped in paper. That's nothing new. Who gives a crap is infamous for its wonderful bamboo toilet paper wrapped in paper, not plastic. So Bippy does the same, but Bippy separates itself from the other brands because it also sells a really interesting product that's a foam, and it turns the toilet paper into a wet wipe for your children, let's say, who's in diapers, or even for adults. So it's like a it's like a, it's a wet white foam. I'm not really sure how else to describe it, but Cindy swears by it. And if you have a kid in diapers and you find yourself throwing out all the wipes, maybe you consider Bippy's wet wipe foam. I have linked to that in this week's show notes as well. Next week's show is all about simplifying and eco-friendly-ifying, if that's even a word, simplifying and eco-friendly-ifying those simple, mundane household tasks that none of us really love. I will see you then. Have an amazing week and take care.